Ah, yes, ladies and gentlemen, it's Wednesday, so that means it's time for the Wrestling Inc. AEW Dynamite After Show, and have we got a show for you. John Moxley talks about running the show. The Young Bucks act like they run the show, but Samoa Joe really does run the show. But before we get into all of that, allow me to introduce the crew. I'm Jack Farmer being joined by Jimmy Corderas and special guest Matt Coon Music. Matt, how you doing, pal? It's been a minute. I'm doing fantastic, man. Just uh, making my way through this wrestling world. And making my way through six season, I had strep throat, so my voice is a little off. But you know, it's still it's still a great voice. Uh, I'll give you that. Yeah, how, I was about to say, mm-hmm. how dare you? I, my voice is, you know, I'm getting over this. You got the best voice in podcasting. You're like, oh, my voice isn't great. How dare you just rub our faces? But also, we've got Jimmy Corderas, the man who runs the world of striped shirts. How have you been since Monday? No, I'm doing all right. It's uh, the, the weather's a little in flux here, but uh, great to have the man with the greatest voice in podcasting out here with us. I wish I could say the same for me. I, uh, as I've been told many times, I have a great face for radio, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad I get to hang with you fellas tonight and chat about this show. I have a feeling, I have a feeling that things might get a little testy this uh, this week. I have a feeling That's we might get some. Uh, some uh some conversation this week so it should be good i want to thank everyone who's joining us in the chat by the way or watching along like comment share subscribe all that good stuff and while we wait for everyone to settle in and find their suits we want to talk about a little bit of news that's come around recently and sorry guys we missed the big news boats of the rock and netflix we're going to talk about some other news that came out uh first off john cena Uh, alluding to when he may hang up the boots in a new interview with entertainment tonight. Cena said, quote, I never wanted to go out there just for the sake of going out there. I'm going to be 47 this year. I feel great. So inside I feel great, but I know what it takes to be a WWE performer night in and night out. And I don't ever want to just go out there and do it to do it. I want to have the passion, the same passion as the fan base. And I want to give them exactly what they give me the miles on this odometer say, hey, that's got to be done before 50. Jimmy, um, this is one of those moments in life reading this for me. In my head, John Cena is still that new guy that has is the new face of the company. It's hard. It's, it's weird. I need you to walk me through this feeling of seeing people and remembering when they started as the young guy still trying to work their way up. Now being the, I've only got a few more matches left in me. Yeah, it's but it's surprising coming from a guy like John Cena because, like you said, at the age of forty-seven, to to a lot of people like myself, that that's that's wow, that's still he's still got some time left, you know. And you see guys like Billy Gunn out there and uh, whatever magic potion he's taken, I'd love some. And, mm-hmm. and but you also see other uh, wrestlers, and I hate to put it this way, hang on too long. Mm-hmm. And I think I think he wants to. Uh, go out on a high note, do it at a level where he feels comfortable that he's going out, giving it his all and not, not uh, phoning it in, so to speak. He he would never phone it in. He's not that kind of guy. He just wouldn't do that. And he, he, he honestly is the type of guy that wants to do it the way he can do it. 
And if he doesn't think he can do it to that level, he believes he should be doing it at, you know, I think maybe it is time for him. It's his call at the end of the day. And, you know, being able to go out on your own terms is something everybody wants instead of being told you have to go out. (laughs) Yeah, Matt, uh, this is one of those things where, you know, sometimes guys like Goldberg will come back and some people will get upset. And I'm like, I love seeing Goldberg anytime he comes back. Same with Sting. We'll talk about that later tonight. And I would say, because you never know how many times you're going to get to see them ever again do this kind of thing. And I think that this is sort of one of those reminders that even John Cena has an expiration date, whether self-imposed or not. And I I think it's a good, I I think it's good. He's saying this because it reminds us like, look, if you get the chance to see him, you better go see him. You better buy a ticket because you might not get to ever again. Well, Jack Farmer, let me say this. Uh, I've been watching wrestling a very long time and I bet you a million dollars. John Cena will wrestle a match after he's 50. Like, I'll bet <laughs> 20 million. He's a wrestler. And think about what WWE's doing right now with Netflix and how good they are at bringing people back for one offs. Like, let's say it's John Cena's 53 and he gets a chance to have kind of a Roman rock type moment. He's going to take it, you know, and we're going to see it. John Cena has a lot. It, also, his acting career has taken off in a way where maybe he'll be a bigger star in the acting world, you know, a couple years from now if you watch a peacemaker it's one of the greatest tv shows i've ever seen in my life and he's he's the reason why him and james gunn he's got a big future in acting he's going to keep being a bigger bigger and bigger star but he loves being a wrestler and also like all wrestlers he loves money yeah Mm. the great great points and um you know it's funny it's kind of like Shawn michaels i guess where he's like i'm done and then they're like well we got a pretty big paycheck for you if you're willing to do this tag (laughs) team match like well, I guess I could go back for one more. Right. Uh, was, I don't say that making fun. I'm hair. saying that. He was talking about his hair. His <laughs> his hair retired. He did not retire, but his hair had its last match. But you make you make a classic point there, Matt. In the wrestling world, never say never. And 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 like they say, regardless of whether you're booked for the show or not, if you show up the building to even just say hello to the gang, make sure you got your gear in the car. Yes. Uh and that goes for everyone. Every time I go anywhere, I have a suit ready just in case. Uh, but yeah, it looks like Matt, a lot of people are agreeing with you in the chat. Uh, Mike Martin says, uh, uh, Matt Coon actually has a good point. And then uh, there was another one, uh, Ian Adams saying, uh, I agree with that, Matt. So a lot of people agreeing with you there. Sounds like uh, a lot of smart people out there today. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know if they agree with like, the, the point about John Cena or Peacemaker, because that is one of my favorite shows, uh, and I can't Killer. wait for season two. And you know what? John Cena learned how to play piano and played that beautiful, one-of-a-kind uh, version of Home Sweet Home on piano. He actually played that. So for me, wow. it takes work at, 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 for, a, for a grown man to learn how to play an instrument. John Cena is, is an amazing human being. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's it, it's a good show. Anyone who hasn't seen it should check it out. Uh, but we have people who, speaking of returns and coming back, there are a couple names rumored for the Royal Rumble returning. Uh, there's a lot of names, obviously, that have there's a lot of empty spots, especially in the women's Royal Rumble. And PW Insider Elite reports uh, a couple of these names potentially, uh, one of them being Sonia Deville, who's been at the Performance Center recently. Uh, she's expected to be in the match, they say. She, of course, is coming back from an ACL injury, another one being Jade Cargill, who was signed months ago by WWE. Uh, And a third name they say is unlikely, but 
potentially could be there because she lives in Florida is Alexa Bliss. Uh, Jimmy, you're shaking your head. No, uh, I want to hear your thoughts on each of these three about what's your expectation level on whether or not we see them at the Royal Rumble. I'm okay with two out of the three. And the one that I'm not okay with is going to surprise a lot is Jade Cardgill. Because if she's to enter the Royal Rumble and debut there for the WWE, she should win it all. Mm -hmm. Bottom line, because that's how much, you know, uh, I think uh, how much I'm I'm trying to find the right word. Uh, Star power she has behind her. Yeah. You know, and you really want to debut her in a big situation. So maybe the Monday after WrestleMania, which is the most watched uh, uh, Raw of the year, is a good place for her to debut. But for for the other two, for Sonya Deville and for um, Alexa Bliss, I, I don't mind seeing them entering the Rumble. You know, you're going to have some surprises. Why not? Yeah. Everyone everyone seems to agree with you, Tommy O, saying, Jimmy, great point. Uh, Matt, I want your thoughts on this. And also, let's say... Um, to all three names, but what if Jade Cargill does one of those shows up and just sort of makes her presence seen, you know, whether she interrupts somebody or stands on the ramp, whatever, is that a, would that be a good thing? Or is it like, didn't we just see this a few months ago? Like, when are you going to do something situation? Well, Jade Cargill, I totally agree with Jimmy because you know, the last thing you want for her, she's going to, she's going to be a big star. She's being presented as a big star. So you don't want her splitting camera time with like, you know, five to 10 other wrestlers on her debut, you want her in a situation where she's being spotlighted. The exception that would be, you know, if she's been down to developmental and they're confident that she could just run that rumble and win the rumble, then that would be an appropriate way to debut her. If she pulls it off credibly, not like, you know, uh, Shayna Baszler in Elimination Chamber where they tried something like that. It didn't work so well. Um, but uh, Alexa Bliss, that would be fun. You know, I don't know what they're going to do. Just say, forget about the last five years. Or maybe she'll do something, you know, in tribute to Bray. That would be really interesting. Who is the third name? Uh, Alexa Bliss. Uh, Sonya Deville was the other one. Sonya Deville, then- yeah. She's in. That's great. Good for her. Uh, I hope I hope she comes in and kicks all kinds of butt. So, you, yeah, you make the reference of uh, Shayna Baszler. So everyone everyone know Matt here is implying that uh, Jade Cargill needs to take a bite out of someone's neck at some point. That's the that's the trick here. That's what we're waiting for. She can start <laughs> with mine. <laughs> uh, so we uh, that gets us through the news. This is going to be a spicy episode uh, of the review here. So I'm excited to uh, to chat about it. But as always, before we do, uh, I want to thank everyone again for being with us here. If you're lurking and not chatting, that's okay. Happy you're here. Uh, but if you are in the chat, if you're someone like Killer of Demons, Tommy O, Beer Money, Bigfoot Sneakerhead, Joey H44, Don't Call My Wax Junk, uh, Stephen Camp, Corey Pride, Global Currency, Wayne, uh, Danny Cochran, Clay Ford, Fernando, Carlos, Manish, Bit Milligan, Gross, Ian, and Laura Rock, and everyone else. Appreciate you guys so much for being here. Uh, remember, like, comment, share, subscribe. Hit a five-star review while you're at it. Our overlords in the Static Media Tower appreciate it when you guys do that. In the Static Media Tower, just so you guys know, it's on a cliff overlooking something, and lightning strikes whenever you look at it, and bats fly at you, and usually there's some... <laughs> laughing in the background as i say zoinks <laughs> i look at it that's that's the static media tower uh let's get into this uh let's get into this show um we start off 
with Samoa Joe comes out and he says no more title shot handouts. Uh, no, everyone will have to fight each other to get a shot. And that shot will be the worst night of their life. Hook comes out and shakes Samoa Joe's hand before Joe tells security to quote, get the unworthy out of my ring. Uh, Matt, I loved, loved, loved this in this beginning of the show. I love Samoa Joe, the way he handled himself. I love the way he was that final boss jerk character that truly believes he's better than everyone else, but sounds like he can back it up. Uh, but also I like that hook came out looking like an honorable scrappy fighter. That's not going to give up. Um, I like the segment a lot. I think hook needs a lot more practice talking, you know, because it's very important, even though he's kind of this, you know, post ironic, you know, kind of above it all early twenties, you know, kind of guy, it wouldn't help for him to actually emote, you know, and to see more than one emotion from him when he does these things. You know, I thought the 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 security guys coming in and fighting a hook was a little awkward, but Joe, fantastic. Joe is the champion. No slam on anybody, no slam on, on Max, but Joe is a champion they've needed for a while. Um, and also the crowd sucked. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the crowd did him no favors here. Uh, but Jimmy, I want your thoughts on this intro. I agree. I feel like it's one of those things that's baffling that this is the first world title run Samoa Joe has had since he signed with WWE uh, years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, he just feels, looks, and sounds the part. I feel like Samoa Joe could sing the alphabet in an intimidating way. But that's the thing. He is so believable because it's authentic coming from Samoa Joe. I like the different look with him in the suit presenting himself. Hey, I'm the world champion. I'm going to look like a world champion too. And you, we saw as, as we've heard, sorry, for the last little while, we know he can talk. That was the only issue, like you said, Matt, that I had with the segment is hook coming out, getting not much of a reaction from that Savannah, Georgia crowd but, you know, coming in to show that respect to Joe and saying, you know, as they were kind of uh, giving that guy hug thing, saying, I will be back. I, I would have liked a little more explanation, like him coming out and saying something to the effect of, hey, look, I got my ass handed to me last week and I know it. But you know what? I learned from it. It doesn't make me weaker. It makes me stronger. And you know what? You are the world champion right now. Enjoy it while it lasts because, brother, I'm coming after you. Or something something along those lines. Make it more, make it feel, make it feel authentic. Because I hate to sound like a broken record here, but make it feel like it's you talking, not wrestling promo time. If I'm nitpicking this, again, I really thought they knocked this whole thing out of the park. I thought everyone came off looking better because of it. Uh, if I was to nitpick, I think the one thing I would have loved to have seen is – when Hook did say that, the camera should have been on his face and not Joe's face. Mm -hmm. um, again, I don't know. A lot, a like lot his, goes uh, into that. But. It was like his jacket was talking. Yeah, it looked, a, it looked a little weird. And I think that that's one of those moments where you want someone like Hook. We want to see his face because we want to see, hopefully you see a fire in his face, you know, and like kind of that, the emotion there. Because if you're not going to talk a lot, then you do need to visually emote a lot in some way. Because you got to communicate with us some way. That's a very good point. And, and and that doesn't fall on on Hook himself. That falls on the no. production crew. That they should know better. They should know that this this is the line that's coming. Make sure there's a cameraman in place to get a shot of that. 
And, you know, to your point, Jack, about physically emoting, the last half of the CM Punk Cody Rhodes thing on Raw was just facial expressions. And it shows mm-hmm. how powerful those can be. And it would have been great. Again, Hook is he's got a little something, but I think he needs to show a few emotions and a range of emotions. He needs to show he cares for us to care. Yeah. I, I love that. And I love, I, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I love that you talked about that promo on Monday. I almost feel like it's not fair. That was a master class on Monday. I mean, that was a, mm-hmm. you could teach class. I mean, that was incredible, but this, I don't want to talk about that. Uh, I don't want to spend I, uh, time talking about Monday, but like that I, was, yeah. I, I contacted one of those two people and told them that exact word. I said it was masterful. It was a master class, mm-hmm. exact word. Uh, yeah, that was incredible. So uh, we we go on to our first match of the evening. Adam Page uh, versus Penta El Zero Miedo. Uh, Samoa Joe stays on commentary to watch this and have give his thoughts about it. We get a new, more aggressive hangman showing his, shoving his cowboy poop in Penta's face. Fast-paced, big match, big moments, hard-fought victory for Adam Page. This is sort of the... This Jimmy, this kind of matchup to me is sort of the um, the backbone of what AEW matches are. And if you like AEW matches, you probably love this one. I like AEW matches. I love this one. My question to you is: um, Can we say Paige has a mustache or is it a beard? <laughs> must must beard. <laughs> No, but uh, what uh, what were your thoughts on on this one, Jimmy? I want to like, are you a fan of this style of matchup? It, it definitely is a different feel than what you see on some other wrestling broadcasts. Uh, and how did you feel about Adam Page in this one? Obviously, he was what we were trying to uh, grow to love during this one. What I liked about this one is you had two different styles clashing here. You had Penta, who you know is known for doing the the more lucha style, the high, uh, you know, high flying stuff and, and page being, you know, get, getting in there and really handing it to him. I thought they told a nice little story here and they didn't go straight to the big moves as I like that. I have to bust it out once a week. If you're not familiar with this, Matt, he didn't have to go to the twisting burning 450 hammer Phoenix splash right away to, to get, they worked their way and they gave a reason to, when they did the big moves, including Paige. And I liked the sequence going into the finish. I thought that it, it was it was a well-done match. Let's put it that way. Yeah, Matt, I want, I want your thoughts on this matchup, having Joe on the outside. And uh, I, want, I want to get your thoughts on Paige in the sense that we know where it's going, and we'll get to that later on in the night. But Paige coming off two big losses to Swerve. Does it feel like he's getting back on track to the world title? Again, let's pretend like we don't know where this is. We pretend we've never watched pro wrestling before and we don't know where this is going. Does it feel like he's earning his spot back in that conversation based on what we've seen to this point? If that makes sense. It it sounds like you've seen my tweets. Um, it's uh the answer is no. Like, you know, though if you're watching wrestling with any kind of interest in wins and losses matter. If you have two back-to-back pay-per-view losses, of course there's going to be screwiness, but that's kind of the way it works. We're used to that kind of gravitation. One guy goes up, one guy goes down. And by all considerations, you would think Paige would lose the, would win the second one. Um, but he lost both. Again, um, uh, Swerve cut a promo on his baby, and, you know, Hangman didn't really fight back about that one. So to me, 
I just I I cringe at this because I think a super focused Swerve versus Joe feud for the title with Swerve embracing uh in a nuanced way the crowd against Joe the bad guy is the answer. I think they're going to put it on Swerve. I think it's going to be a three-way, blah, blah, blah. But think of the focus that could go into that one-on-one and let Hangman uh, redeem himself. You know, I've been making Hangman uh, Magnum comparisons for a long time. Treat him, if you watch Magnum TA, he got over in Crockett by doing short matches, really short matches, a lot of them, and he's got that same charisma. So uh, I think they need to maybe have him do something else. I agree with you. And I, I want to say, and I tweeted this as well. I think Adam Page in many ways is the soul of AEW in a lot of ways. I think, especially if you're a, like a fan of AEW, he's just one of your guys. I think everyone's going to love him forever. But it's, it is tough for me to go, you took two, because it wasn't just two losses. They were two big losses. They were two heavy losses. Uh, and so to just be like, ah, never mind. I want to get back in the world title picture. It, it, it stings a little bit. And I agree with, I agree with you, Matt. I think I'd, I'd be okay with Adam page rolling over people for the next few months to get back up to, to where he's in that conversation. Um, I'd be okay with him coming out buckshot, lariating, you know, a, a ton of people, even if we had a bunch of people who are, I guess, below him on the, uh, on the card that are obvious wins for him just to get those wins going and get that, that magic going again. But they said he's undefeated this year, but the level of the the swerve losses were so big. It's kind of like Cody Rhodes after WrestleMania couldn't just be like, well, you know, I'm back in it, right, guys? Like, no, you got to, like, get back into it because that was a big loss. And so I love Adam Page. Adam Page over the past five years, probably one of my top five personally, but I do think that he absolutely needs to – plus I feel like – I'm so worried that Swerve is going to somehow not get the title shot and all of this stuff he's built is going to get sweeped out from under him. And so I, I, it's hard for me to almost enjoy it because I'm so worried about all this. And again, that said, Adam, I, I'm a huge Adam Page fan. I, I, this is not a, a hating Adam Page thing. It's just in this moment, it just feels like, ah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I hear you. And this isn't a hating AEW moment either is I don't want them. We talk about missed opportunities. We don't want them to miss the opportunity with Swerve, with Page. We, you know, we saw what happened with Wardlow. We don't want them to get, as I refer to it, we don't want them to get Wardlowed. Yeah. It's, um, we got a few people in here. Uh, Corey Pride saying, I agree with Matt. Uh, Vizik Mon saying, uh, more Matt, Matt Kuhn uh, with the heart emojis. Uh, Justine saying, Matt speaking facts. Um, Ian saying, no, Jack. I don't know what that was about. I, I started, though, to say. I can't remember what. What was that? What were you disagreeing with me about, Ian? Um, Stephen Camp says, uh, Penta should have been a bigger star. Uh, Corey says, Penta should have won. Um but then uh, G Nails asked the big question, Jack, is Hangman Page a rancher? So for you guys, if you don't know this, uh, this is a big deal for me. It all unfolded on NXT because Fallon Henley is a rancher. And if there's one thing us farmers can't stand, it's ranchers. So <laughs> Adam Page is not a rancher. He's a cowboy. Different things. He gets away with it. But can't have any ranchers on my program, fellas. <laughs> so uh let's move on we got uh the young bucks show up late for work 
and they want to be treated like bosses and they make sure that everyone like top flight is working hard. Uh, Matt, I want to get your thoughts on this. So I know that it's very split on social media, this young bucks presentation. I want to say, I believe that wrestling is better with characters. I think characters are the backbone of pro wrestling. And right now they are, playing characters that I think are more interesting and open the playbook up for them as far as what they can do and who they can do it with it way more than the young bucks they've been in the past. So I am a big fan of what they're doing. Do you agree or am I off my rocker? I think if executed a certain way, it can be extremely effective. Um, I also think the way it's been done has not been great. Like, I think we should have seen some physicality at this point. I would have had physicality off the jump, you know, and, and uh, you know, just from my experiences with these fellas, you know, I know that they say that the best characters are ones where it's your true personality turn up to 11, and I think they kind of got that. So I think this is something that's uh, true to them in a little bit. And also... Let's get that physicality involved too. Let's let's get some emotions involved, not just smarmy young bucks. If they do whatever they do, if they do this, stick with it. Don't just switch to something else in two months. Yeah, I do think they got to follow through with it and have it not be just a little short-term thing. But Jimmy, where do you land on the young bucks? I, I want your overall thoughts, but also if you had to choose between how the young bucks have been presented throughout their history of AEW and how they're being presented now, which one do you think is a better uh better characters for the show i think if done correctly like matt said this version of the young bucks could be the best uh version of them so far presented on aew because what we've had so far is what what, what people knew when they were everywhere else but the I, I i will disagree with matt on one thing though i don't i don't i'm glad they're not doing the physicality yet because we don't know what kind of physicality we're going to get from the young bucks and the first time they get into a match as executive vice presidents, I, I don't like the fact that tonight it almost made it sound like they just became EVPs uh, when they've been mm -hmm. EVPs from the jump. And they've actually addressed that as well. But I, I want them to change their in-ring style. It shouldn't be the same outfits. They shouldn't have, you know, the, the old uh, look like uh, the old school Hardy boys when they come out. You know what I mean? They should look like their characters as executive vice president as they should look like Matthew and Nicholas tag team and, and wrestle that way, as opposed to Matt and Nick and doing all the stuff they used to do in the super kick parties and all that kind of stuff, change that wrestling style as well. And, and it, in, in my opinion, it can work really well. It is sort of the, the big trick when it comes to characters, right? Where, uh, you need the big, you need the great characters and you need them to be uh, entertaining and all this good stuff. But then you need to find a way to transition that into why are they wrestling and how they wrestle and how that plays into that. Because there's a lot of great characters where it's like, you know, you think about the old uh, early 90s wrestling where it was like, this guy's a plumber who wrestles. Like, why is a plumber wrestling? That doesn't make any sense. But when you have the character. And, and if, I'm sorry. If he's yeah. a real plumber, why would he choose plumber? as his wrestling gimmick right that's you know what i'm true. saying like it's it's yeah. the most ridiculous like it, like a, a garbage man in his free time has a side hustle as a wrestler where he's a garbage man you know like it, everyone, sorry right no but you're that, right but, but that's still... a good point that's a good point but that's where like i always thought guys like um 
IRS was great because he was there to collect the taxes. That's why he's wrestling. That's why it's a, it's a silly connection, but it's okay. I get that. There's a connection. Kane is wrestling because he's trying to get back at his brother. Who's a wrestler. So this is his chance to fight him. That's why this monster is in the ring. It's, it's finding a way to get that in there. And so now if they're being the executives, now we got to figure out a way, or I hope they figure out a way to show why they're in the ring and why they're fighting instead of just being, I am also a executive. You know what I mean? Like there's a, it, it's subtle, but there's, there's something there, you know, mm -hmm. um, as far as how you make that work. Uh, someone who people used to say this about a lot, same thing is orange Cassidy. And he says, yep, I'll defend my title against Roderick strong at revolution, but there are six weeks until then. So I'm going to keep wrestling. Uh, this was a pretty quick thing. And before we get into the match that happened later, uh, Jimmy, it feels pretty straightforward. I think the, idea of this story is orange Cassidy is going to take a beating between now and revolution and Roderick strong is going to try to cash in afterwards. Yeah. That, that's simply put, that's feels the direction it's going. And, and uh, I, I get the whole orange Cassidy character. It's, it's just not my thing. You know, mm -hmm. that, 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 that devil may care attitude. Like, yeah, you want to have a match, whatever. I'm just going to go out there and wrestle. Um, the, uh, Matt, what are your thoughts on Orange Cassidy? I don't know if I've ever seen heard you say your your thoughts on Orange Cassidy. Uh, how do you feel about him? And uh, how do you feel about the game plan? As it appears, I could be wrong. This th That's just how it seems to me on this. How do you feel about the game plan of marking this match so far in advance? I saw Orange Cassidy um, before um, he was in AEW. Uh, and I remember uh, just being blown away. Like, just being blown away. Because this crowd response was like nothing I'd ever seen. I talked to a wrestler in the match later, and he's like, was that too much ha-ha? And I go, no, it was cool. And the next day, I remember sitting with Conrad Thompson for breakfast at the hotel, and I was like, have you seen this Orange Cassidy guy? And Conrad's like, yeah, he's good. I'm like, man, he just blew the roof off the place. And then uh, a couple months later, um, uh, I don't think the story's ever been told, a couple months later, uh, we're in Vegas, and Conrad brings Orange Cassidy out for autographs starting at StarCast, happens to be in town, gets put on uh, Double or Nothing. You know, so always liked Orange Cassidy. As far as, um, yeah, it's kind of a crazy story. Uh, yeah. And I've got to meet him uh, later on. I've played Django with him. He's a good guy. He understands the character. He's super smart. Um, but as far as uh, what he's doing now, it's fine. It, but the one thing I, I don't like is that it's just another one of these awkward match announcements by AEW. He's like, apparently this is going to happen. And it seems like they need to find a better way to announce some of these matches sometimes. I agree with that completely um, because especially I also think like we, we kind of know when a match is going to happen too. So sometimes we don't even need to announce it. Just make it very clear that this match is happening. Um, and I think we'll, we'll figure it out. I, I think what I got to say is, is one of my all time favorite matches watching as a fan was orange Cassidy versus pack at whatever his first, the best, was. the best. I love that match. I, cause I, I'll be honest, I didn't know who Orange Cassidy was. I just saw the little things he was doing on TV. I was like, I, I remember even talking about how am I supposed to get behind this guy who doesn't even care he's in the ring, you know? And then when he, they start going, by the end of that match, I had the biggest grin on my face. I was like, this was the most entertaining thing I've ever seen. And he did it a few times. And I feel like I love Orange Cassidy, but I, I think they're kind of going the wrong way in that they're having him defend the title all the time. I think he needs to, 
Brock Lesnar is a weird comparison for Orange Cassidy, but like where he only comes out every now and again, it's like, ooh, you got to face Orange Cassidy and you get the you get the the show only a little bit as opposed to every single week. Because I think when you see it every single week, you're like, oh, I've seen the show. As There's no exception to, the, to that rule. Yeah. The less mm -hmm. you see something, the more effective it is. Thank you. Well, yes. Well, I mean... Wardlow post uh, MJF would probably there's a there's a there's always a tipping point right but <laughs> still you know yeah, there uh, is that fine line but uh, yeah. again you're, you're absolutely right Matt uh, the, you, you can't present him like he used to, for how long there was he the first match every week at, at some point you go okay it's but I gotta oh, tell you yeah. it's electric in that building when he comes out man for real every time yeah. He, um, I get what they were trying to do with it because they wanted to make that title feel important, like the, the workhorse title, as they always say. I just don't think Orange Cassidy, Orange Cassidy's good enough to do it. I just think he's so entertaining. You should make me pay to see him, is what, is what I'm saying. Um, but speaking of Wardlow, he had a match against Trent, uh, and for the first time in a long time, Wardlow was tested. Trent mm -hmm. outsmarted Wardlow and even got the ref distracted so he could use a chair. Uh, but eventually the power of Wardlow was too much and we got a very large power bomb. Uh, and then the uh, best friends chase off, well, chase off the undisputed kingdom. Uh, Jimmy, do you think it was a good idea to have Wardlow get pushed a little bit at this point in his build or should he have continued just crushing people? I, I like Trent Beretta. He's a good guy, and and and, and I don't want to <clears throat> bad mouth, but I think he got too much offense in against mm -hmm. against Wardlow. Wardlow right now needs to look like a monster, a beast, and he didn't. Look, he looked like it when he did his finish. Yeah, but before that, he just looked like another big guy who gets you know has to work to get that fin the, the win, especially against, again, Trent. I like the guy, good dude, but he should have got absolutely murdered. Yeah, I I agree, because I'm also a fan of Trent, too. But, yeah, I kind of feel like, like we need to see. We're still trying to show that Wardlow should be a future world champion, if, if that's the way they're going. Uh, Matt, how do you feel about how this match went down? And also... Do you like the idea of a best friend's undisputed kingdom kind of side quest before they start making that push towards the world title? I guess it's fine, but it's not really like a high profile deal where you would want for such a huge thing as the devil and the kingdom and all that. And again, like Jimmy, I, I like, uh, you know, um, Trent, sorry. Uh, he, he always wants people to call him Greg. He, you know, him and uh, Chucky always use their real names when they talk to people. And I like him too. Maybe he shouldn't have been the match. But here's my question, philosophically. If you have a championship contender, Wardlow is a championship contender. He's the one they're saying is going to go for the championship eventually. Should your championship contender be better than the other wrestlers by such a razor slim margin, right? Like in the, in the NBA, some teams make the playoffs, some teams don't. And when the teams that don't make the playoffs meet the teams that do make the playoffs, they get beaten badly. That's just the mm -hmm. way it goes. So if you have a championship contender, there should be more, I don't know if, if parody is the right word, but there should be a bigger distance between them yeah. and the other guys. And if you don't use Greg, you don't use Trent, you want to use um, use somebody else. But you got, it has happened all night long where you have these guys who are supposed to be taking the strong guys, but they're barely beating these guys. I mean, Penta... Had a great match. That's not the way it should go if you're trying to make Hangman look great. Yeah, I think there's sometimes a discrepancy in um, whether or not a wrestler is, you know, 
a good wrestler versus are they hot right now? Uh, I love Penta. I was a big Lucha Underground fan. Uh, and when he first came to AEW, I was like, this guy is a, a star. But Penta isn't exactly winning a ton of matches on TV. So he's not necessarily hot right now. So I'm not like, oh, man, he's the guy to beat. He's he's great. But I guess the same thing with Trent is he's not exactly winning a ton of matches and being presented as a, as a threat. And so I think sometimes that's the, the difference with some of these matches. It's cool, but yeah, I agree. I think Wardlow should have steamrolled Trent. Maybe Trent have a little hope spot somewhere in there, so it's not totally uh, dominant, but yeah, we'll, but, we'll have to see where that goes. But a roll-up? Uh, uh, never mind. Uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, Ian Adams, by the way, with a great point, Wardlow's growing his hair back, which will increase his powers. That is actually true. Mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. they teach that in the heart family dungeon i believe yeah, um, i wouldn't know anything but, about that but anyway. <laughs> uh diana perrazzo and tony storm uh we talk about entertaining these two have a promo that goes back and forth uh and tony storm with her timeless style and diana calls her out for being different than the person that she used to know including a tattoo uh this leads to a fight with storm and luther getting taken down and diana peraza standing tall with the title um i'm gonna start with you matt um i want to talk to me a bit about uh tony storm and your because i i feel like tony storm is another divisive uh character again i love characters and this is a character and she i think she's nailing it but do you think she's too silly to be the champion no no, not if it gets a reaction, not if it makes money, not if people are into it, not if it's popular. I, I liked how they did it tonight. I think there have been some awkward turns in trying to turn this movie starlet into a wrestler on screen and, and some awkward transitions. Uh, I thought the segment was tremendous. I thought it was uh, the best thing on the show up to that point. And um, Deanna, uh, if you don't know, I did Deanna's theme song for Impact. And then it was replaced, oh. as they all are, uh, when she went to AEW. But she used it for like three years, you know. And and um, so, man, Deanna is just, she's so strikingly beautiful. She's And she is really great on that microphone. I think she just, she really showed she belongs on television. And I'm super happy for it. Could have happened to a better or more deserving person. Yeah. Uh, Global Currency says, Tony Storm is the best in the company and she barely wrestles. Uh Tony uh, Kaname Karan, I'm sorry if I mispronounced that, says, Timeless Tony Storm was snubbed at the Oscars. <laughs> uh, Jimmy, I want your thoughts on... So two things I, wanna, I want you to talk about, Jimmy, is one, just how good... I think the beauty of what Tony Storm can do is it's almost Stephen Colbert-ish where she's this character, but she's ad, it feels like she's ad-libbing and doing things in this character, and it feels exactly like what that character would say and do as mm -hmm. opposed to just like a pre-done character but also i want your thoughts on diana perrazzo acknowledging kind of that this isn't who tony storm really is like she's kind of acknowledging this is either something's wrong or you're a mess like playing around how do you feel about her acknowledging that difference as well first about tony storm i i, I really love the tony storm character and 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 like you talked about when she speaks and when she goes into her uh little uh, tirades for lack of a better term they sound authentic they don't sound like i'm reading from a script this is coming from her it's it's almost uh we talked about john cena at the beginning of the show like john cena could could bust a rap out 
about anything at any time. All you have to do is give him a subject and he can go. That's how this feels like with Tony Storm. She goes with every subject. And the to your other part of your question, talking about Deanna Perrazzo, she showed tonight that she could talk as well and talking authentically coming from her. You felt her passion. You felt her emotion telling that story, coming to and living with her. And, you know, she mentioned the only thing I wish you would have explained the tattoos because they both have the same tattoo. Why? Mm-hmm. Give us a reason why. And But uh, other than that, I thought th- that segment worked perfectly to get both women over. I think I think it was enough for now. I think they're going to tell that story. And also, I think what you talked about, Deanna really speaking, really appearing to speak from the heart. When she did the tattoo and the little waver in her voice, that whole segment went from 2D to 3D. It went to a 3D angle with real people and real characters. And you're like, why is Tony Storm acting like this? Why is the, what is the relationship? It, it was really just fantastic all the way around. One of the really great segment, really great. Maybe more interested in the product that I was going to see from them. Yeah, they've, you know, there's a part of me when it started, I was going to, you know, I'm preparing my notes. And I was already thinking, we're talking about how, because I was just, I had just seen Adam Page and I was thinking he's got to work his way back. And I was like, well, Deanna Peraza just sort of showed up and she's getting a title shot. That seems a little weird. But then after this, I'm like, I I give it a pass. This is great. These are the, these two should be in the title picture. This should be the match that's happening. Uh, so I'm just going to let it slide. But Two very great people, and uh, as far as how talented they are, I've never, I say great. I've never met them. I, I hope they're nice people, but they're they're very good at what they do. Uh, Corey Pride says, uh, "I do want to see Tony Storm versus Deanna Peraza, which I think tells you everything you need to know about how well they mm-hmm. did." Uh, Clay Ford says, "Deanna is a killer in the ring. Uh, there was a lot of times her matches were the best on Impact shows. She is, she's someone you can build a division around. She's not just good. She's a a division builder." Uh, and global currency says 100% Jimmy, um, agreeing with Jimmy Corderas. Um, but someone who did think that Deanna Perrazzo cut the line was Taya Valkyrie and Johnny TV. She says she knows who Deanna is, doesn't, and doesn't like her cuts, butts, or coconuts, was the phrase I think uh, Johnny said. Um, Matt, my, my pros on this is I think that it's very smart putting these two back together as far as Johnny and Taya. Uh, their characters are great. The character is everything I want. They're fun. They're entertaining. They make me want to see them more. My, the con is I feel like she's just going to get fed to a buzzsaw, and then we might not see her again. Well, as an act, maybe they have a little more preservation. You know, As an act, one of them can lose or they can still stay. You know, What worries me is that Man, Tony Khan and AEW, there's so many worlds that don't interact. And, and so now we have a new world that has Taya and Johnny. And now they're going to have their own little thing that we got to keep track of. As opposed to what we see in WWE now, in that top area, they're all kind of intermingled and involved. It's all kind of, instead of all these separate worlds, and it's just another thing to keep track of and another reason to go, man, they got a lot of wrestlers. They they absolutely do. I like the way you talk about the different worlds because I feel like that's definitely a a pro wrestling thing. Where um, I would say half the fun is seeing what happens when you've got these two big characters and they run into each other and they don't like each other. But also, and Jimmy, uh, I'd love for you to take this. What I, the re- one of the reasons I think character is so important is if you're just someone who wrestles well and you lose, well then what are you? But if you're mm-hmm. a character and you lose, well then 
how you can react, you can do stuff, you can, you can continue on and life moves on. And I think that that's where these two have a lot of legs. No, you're absolutely right. And again, I hate to use WWE comparison is someone like a Chad Gable, who I'm a huge fan of, you know, because of his character. When was the last time Chad Gable won a match? But still, he gets a reaction from the audience. People love to see him because they're invested in the person. They're invested in the character. And that's what you can get from these two. And if they play these characters the way I believe they can, you can get invested in them. And, you know, the old saying, getting over without going over, it's possible to do that with them. Yeah. So uh, hopefully they stick around. Um, we got a burner account saying uh, Coons analysis gives me Matt Morgan vibes. Maybe it's the voice. Uh, I don't know how burner feels about Matt Morgan, but most people love Matt Morgan on this podcast. So uh, uh, Matt, I would take that as a compliment. I like uh, Matt then, a lot. Yeah. I like Matt a lot. Uh, Reaper Brink says farmers got the earbuds. No over ear. Keeping that hair on point. You know what? I just saw everyone. Everyone else was using these. So I, I decided to try doing it for a little bit. We'll see how it is. Uh, I like the over ear, though. Uh, I feel like a radio person. When I have the over ear. So, same. Uh, same. We'll we'll see how we'll see if these stick around. Um, but uh, let's talk about John Moxley. John Moxley cut a promo here about what it means to be elite, what it means to be the best. Tells us that a lot of people don't get it, but he's always going to do everything it takes. Uh, Matt, this felt like it wasn't really a promo about anybody or anything, but this is me subtly maybe reading between the lines here. They're getting back to the ranking system. They're getting back to, as they say, the, the sports aspect of it. It felt like maybe this was John Moxley cutting a promo to sort of remind us that it's about winning matches and it's about being the best. Hey, Moxley is really good at this. Moxley's really good at these things. I think we're leading towards a dissolution at some point of the BCC. And um, I think it's a good thing because I think that collectively the BCC is less than the sum of their parts. And, uh, you know, Claudio gets lost a little bit. And even Daniel Bryan can get lost in a little bit. There's certain moments you're like, oh, so he's with the BCC still. Oh, that, okay. You know, um, so, but I, I like Moxley in this situation. I think he comes across as genuine. Uh, I want to follow up, Matt, real quick on that. Because I, I kind of feel like, I, I was a fan of the BCC, kind of feel like they've served their purpose at this point. If they broke up, would you want there to be a storyline, uh, rivalry fuse or anything build out of that? Or would you be okay if they just sort of stopped hanging out? These guys are all capable of having their own world so to speak you know yeah. and i'm just gonna drop every name in the world today you know my my old podcast host made his debut on nxt this week william regal and mm -hmm. uh of course william regal put the bcc together made no sense for me to keep keep it the bcc after he left you know um uh, he left me about the same time he left AEW, uh and it's good to see i'm on tv again but man that bcc mox and danielson and claudio can do some damage separately yeah um, I, I agree. Uh, Jimmy thoughts on John Moxley and maybe the future of BCC. Yeah. Well, I like, uh, I agree completely with what you guys said uh, there. The future of BCC should be, uh, terminated for lack of a better term. And all three of these guys can go their own separate routes so they don't need to fight each other, or get into a, a, a kerfuffle, so to speak, to break up this faction. They could be, listen, Blackpool combat club. We've done what we can. 
but now it's time for me to branch out and do what I can do. And that's what kind of John Moxley felt like he was doing tonight in that promo. It felt like you said, authentic. It felt real. It felt like, it felt like Mox and saying, listen, don't forget about me. I'm not going anywhere. I'm coming back and I'm coming back and I'll do anything I can and anything I have to do to be the man. Um, we got, speaking of guys who will do anything it takes to uh, be the man, Swerve Strickland has a match with Jeff Hardy. Uh, two wrestlers that are really beloved by fans, uh, no matter what they seem to do. Uh, the uh, Hardy um, being one of the few people, I think, that can split the crowd with Swerve right now. Uh, Swerve showcased, well, got a win. win. Uh, Matt, I'm going to go back to you for this one. I loved the booking of this in the sense that beating Jeff Hardy will always look good. Uh, but also it makes it really hard. It makes it harder for people to cheer Swerve, which people clearly want to do. So I thought that that was very clever of them to put him in this match as opposed to against someone who they might cheer him for regardless. I have uh, three rants I was going to do tonight. This is the third now, okay? So, uh, I don't know, Jack Farmer. For me, I like my stories to have an antagonist and a protagonist. I think that's kind of the only way they really work. So, I get it, you know, shades of gray and all this, but I like to have a guy. I like the fans to care who wins and loses. An excited split crowd, Rock Hogan, can be amazing. But in this situation, what benefit is it to either? to have a halfway crowd, especially Swerve. You know, give me, give me, give, tell me what Swerve is. Tell me what he is. Is he an antagonist or protagonist? Okay, cool. Now give me someone that makes him stronger. You know, Jeff Hardy, they're on this weird journey right now. I don't know what they're doing, but um, it seemed to me like running in place for Swerve this week. Jimmy, do you agree? No, that's a good angle. I, I didn't think of it that way, but I am like uh, Jack could tell you, uh, Matt, that I am a big fan of the antagonist protagonist thing. I, I The heel babyface dynamic is what wrestling was built on. Like like I've, I've said before, the wheel was invented. It was made of stone when it was first invented. Then it became wood. Then it became rubber and run flat tires and all this sort of stuff. But at the end of the day, the wheel is round. And that's what the business is. It it works best when you want it, when the audience wants to see somebody get their their butt whipped and see somebody whip somebody's butt. That's when you get your best reactions. And that's why I think a lot of times tonight the crowd seemed a little quiet because they were kind of conflicted on who they wanted to cheer for. So let me. Uh... Jimmy, I'm going to double back to you. What what do you do with Swerve then? Because clearly he's presented as a bad guy, but the crowd feels differently. They love him. They want him to win. Every time he he's, he gets the biggest reactions, do you start to pivot him at this point, or do you just keep doing what you're doing with him? If Well, if you keep doing what you're doing, then you're kind of missing the boat, so to speak. You're not getting the reaction you want to get. So why not don't have to change him specifically, just change his opponents. So, you know, he so can have still him. speak. The, yeah. Have him continue on the same path he's going on, but have him uh, in the ring versus guys that are not liked by the audience who are designated heels. Um, 
so yeah, so kind of like what's with Stone Cold, the old Stone Cold, where he's still the the same flipping everyone off guy, but now he's beating up people we don't like instead of mm-hmm. beating up the people we do like. Right. But uh, not only that, we see a subtle code. You know, we see a subtle, subtle things he won't do. Just not overt, but Austin had a code. That's why we can respect him. And Swerve comes out. He still doesn't dance. He still glares at the crowd. He's still a badass. But he's got a somewhat of a code that that will kind of give him some kind of connection to the audience beyond he's cool. You know, it's true. I don't think he cheats, if I recall. It seems like all of his wins have been technically like ref- straightforward. Refuse to take a cheat from Nana to win, but still be cool with Nana. Say, you know, right. we're still, mm-hmm. you're still my manager, but I'm freaking Swerve Strickland. I do not need that. That's why I'm the best. That just that would be enough, probably. I've said it since day one. He's someone who you can build a division around, much mm-hmm. like a Deanna Perrazzo. I think that I think in three years, he better be one of the main faces or faces as in the person you think of when you think of AEW. Swerve is a special. I think Swerve is such a special talent. I think um, he could be breakout crossover. I think he could yes. be Good Morning America. Like, I think. He could be that guy uh, if handled the way he could be handled. Yeah, he's he's. I can't say enough good things about him. Uh, looks like next week, Page and Swerve they're picking each other's opponents. Um, so that's going to continue. Uh, feels like we're going to end up getting like you said a triple threat or these two in a number one contender match or something. Not really sure if there's much more to pick out of these two. But again, they're my two. They're my two favorites in AEW right, right now. I can't. I can't stand this. Can't they face? people i don't like so i can just cheer for one of them but uh uh we'll see there's there's uh, a, there's a, there's the confliction see what i mean right there you got two talents that are basically like you said talents that they can build up and build into huge stars and and one of them has the potential to be the face of the company but again you're, you're having them face people that that, that people like um and this we'll is see one. how it plays Oh, I'm sorry. I keep interrupting. I'm sorry. This is one of the issues I had with doing this feud uh, with Hangman and Swerve. The last thing they needed to do was to face each other because Swerve was, this is going to happen with Swerve regardless, you know, and Hangman's just really subtle. You know, I remember talking to someone uh, in AEW about this who may or may not be related to one of those guys. And I was saying, Hangman's not that guy because Swerve is going to that place. And now you still see it. Like you just said, my two favorite guys. Let them do their thing. They they're gonna. It's it, there's no benefit to either to work with each other at this point. Well, I also think I, I agree in that after the two wins by by Swerve, I think it was definitely time for them to go their separate ways. Like, because now even if Hangman wins, I'm gonna be a bit like, took you three tries, man. It doesn't feel like it's that big of a win at this point, you know. Uh, plus, I don't. You can't top that Texas Death Match. You can't. You're not gonna beat that. Why? Anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll see how it plays out. Uh, Thunder Rosa took on Red Velvet. Uh, afterwards, Rosa gets the win and calls out Tony Storm. Um, I don't know if that was her just calling her shot or if that was an intentional thing in there. Uh, Jimmy, what was your takeaways from this one? Not, not a whole lot to take away. The women worked hard, but it was in their usual spot. You know, like mm-hmm. a, it, it, it almost felt like a filler match. Let's put it that way. And uh, they, they didn't have a bad match. I'm not saying it was bad, but something didn't click. It, it, it just, I, I can't put my finger on it, but something did, just didn't feel, uh, 
like it caught my interest. Let's put it that way. And I hate to do, say that about them because they did work hard. Yeah, these are two, Matt, that we haven't seen on TV in a long time. And kind of going back to what we have talked about in the past, whether or not someone's difference between being good and being hot in the moment, since we haven't seen either of these two on TV very regularly, didn't feel like I was really that jazzed up for it. I mean, it's good to see Thunder Rosa back getting a win. I'm glad Red Velvet's on TV, but I also, after it was over, didn't feel like, okay, now we're cooking. You know, it's one of these things like vignettes would help, like they did with Serena Deeb. And I really feel bad for Thunder Rosa because she had so much momentum. You know, like you go to wrestling conventions, bro, like those lines were out the door for her a couple of years ago, man. So you feel bad for her. I hope she can regain that cool factor that she had because she definitely had a little lightning bolt for a little bit. And hopefully it's not gone, you know. Um, uh, the crowd sucked, as I said before. So they really sucked in this match. Yeah, it was it, it was it was quiet. Uh, and, Jimmy, and really quickly here, and the one thing that didn't help at home is most of this match happened during picture in picture, during commercial. I hate play. picture in picture. I it, hate it. it. It just drives me insane because it's so it's you you it doesn't. How how do you focus when you got a commercial going on and you can't hear the commentary because the commentary helps so much get you into the match. It, at least it's that's what it's supposed to do. I, I would take just a full-on commercial break over picture-in-picture. Picture. I hate, mm -hmm. I hate picture-in-picture. Picture. It drives me nuts, it. and I hear and it. everyone does it. It's not just an AEW thing; it's no. across the board. Yeah, um, everybody who does it, don't do it. <laughs> uh, um, Sting and Darby Allen come out. Darby uh, says he's always asked about working with Sting, but he's they're undefeated as tag teams as a tag team, so uh, they want to shot the tag team titles. Sting says, "Okay, let's do it." Uh, Ricky and Bill say, "Great, let's do it." So we're going to get a tag team title match. Uh, coming up, but the young bucks are watching on. Uh, Matt, why do I feel like this is? I feel like everything about this makes absolute sense, but I just got a bad feeling about it. Yeah, they're giving the titles to, um, uh, you know, Sting and Darby. Um, I guess it's fine. I mean, they're not using those tag titles for anything anyway, so you might as well use it for this feud and let Sting retire with a title. That's pretty cool. I was very, very distracted by Sting's uh, a new makeup strategy. Where he had some black outline on the side, and then it was running really badly on here. So I was like very uh, just weirdly distracted by that. But other than that, a fine segment that maybe they could have done with all four of them in the ring. I I would have liked all of them in the ring, especially someone like Ricky Starks and Big Bill are two guys I think look great on TV because Ricky Starks Jimmy is an absolute superstar mm -hmm. and Big Bill is huge. So let him look big and tower over everybody and look like a a dominating force instead of in a box where you can't because you know, for all you guys know i'm eight feet tall but you just see me in this little uh this little box so mm -hmm. I, I would i agree i would love to see them live um and i i, I don't mind sting and darby i think that'd be kind of cool if he retired as champion i just i feel like i'd rather at this point since we have so little time i'd rather a straightforward thing for sting and darby as opposed mm -hmm. to the title shot young bucks watching on i don't know it, it I, I, it could it could be great, but right now I, I'm just a little worried that it's getting overcooked. Yeah, that's a, the the 20 pounds of potatoes in a 10 pound bag uh, situation here. Uh, I, but I do agree with it would have been nice to have Starks and Big Bill come out because not every time um, two separate teams come together, they don't have to get into a brawl. They could just do a little face to face, or even just like you said, stay on the stage 
and have that verbal interaction where they're making eye contact. That's what's mm -hmm. important is the eye contact, not some pre pre-taped vignette from backstage where we said, Oh, you guys want to take a, sh a shot at our titles. Okay. Well, we accept, you know? Uh, and as far as the whole thing with, uh, what the bucks do later on, that looks like the match that's scheduled for Sting's retirement match, Darby, Darby and Sting versus the bucks. I, I, I don't know. I'm going to take a wait and see attitude. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to pass judgment just yet. That's fair. We got two more matches here, and um, they're, I think they're both going to be interesting to chat, chat about. Mogul Embassy versus the Bang Bang Scissor Gang. Um, Bullet Club Gold comes out with the Acclaimed. We get a fun rap. Uh, acclaimed get the win and retain their titles. Uh, Jimmy, we talk on Raw a lot, and you know I sometimes we just you like you like it when things breathe i like chaos i like anarchy this personally for me was not the right kind of chaos and anarchy i felt as someone who watches every week confused about almost everything i was watching here <laughs> uh in the sense that um i i i, I just I, I don't understand why we're cheering the guys who are having three guys help them win a match and mm. why there's 10 people out there and six of them are champions and it, it just the, the the whole thing didn't really fit with me and even after they blatantly cheat to win even commentaries just like a return to form for the acclaim like what are we talking about what is happening here uh, th this whole thing confused me and it, it didn't make any sense to me the, you, reasons you need reasons, and, and we weren't given any reasons. All we saw was, like you said, chaos for the sake of chaos. And mm -hmm. and the whole idea of the baby faces going over, cheating to win, it wasn't like they got screwed over to begin with or anything happened like that, or at least, you know, tell the story where the, the heel team was trying to win several, you know, false finish yeah. attempts where they tried to cheat to win. But look, you know what? We can do it better than you. And we're baby, but it just, it, it, it was just there. It didn't do it for me. This match was just too much going on. Uh, yeah, Matt, because it, it wasn't just that the good guys cheated, but the bad guys got cheated out of this one hmm. as well. And it, it, I mean, I, I understand in that, like, I've watched the show. I know who it is and why, like, I get why they say they're together. I just don't understand why I'm supposed to like, if I, I could not explain this to someone who doesn't watch wrestling. Yeah, you know, it's definitely a mirror of the Adam Cole MJF thing, you know. Enemies become friends and now they're going to get along and all this. But I think this might be a rare AEW case of let it play out. Because to me, there's only one way it can head, which is a match at Revolution uh, for all the titles. You know, that's the only thing that really makes sense to me. And it doesn't make sense that Jay and the acclaimed are going to ride off in the sunset together. What makes sense is that Jay and them are really bad guys, and now we're going to really find out. Acclaimed are someone who's not, their popularity's not been maximized or taken advantage of, and they're still there as a commodity. So I think it's kind of a good idea. We'll just put up with this chaos a couple weeks until, you know, Jay and them screw them over, and then they do the match. And I should say for anyone, uh, for everyone, I love the pieces. I love the acclaimed. I love the Bullet Club Gold. I love the guys in the Mogul Embassy. I love... I I just I don't get it, but if but Matt, if you're right, and this leads to them just unifying those two sets of like 
uh, six man tag team champions. I'm I'm here for it. I'd love it. I oh, think that'd be great. They ain't unifying them. They're just gonna have them both. This is Tony Khan mm. we're talking about. We're lucky that they don't multiply when they get together. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the, the triple crown, triple team. <laughs> That's don't shh Hey, hey, just in case he's yeah. listening, quiet. No more. No so, more. No more. So walking out looking like Ultimo Dragon. Like, how many titles does he have? Oh, it's one. That's gonna, just... be, <laughs> that's gonna be everybody in every match. It's gonna be everybody on Rampage will look like Ultimo Dragon. <laughs> uh we get to the end of the show, and it's Adam Copeland versus Minoru Suzuki. Uh, pretty cool video package earlier in the night. Uh Taz makes a great point of it being a purist dream match. Tough fight. Copeland gets the win with the kill switch. Calls out uh, Christian afterwards. Jimmy, this is a match. So again, I love this. I, I, when he says this is a purist, you know, treat. Yes, I, I'm. One, I, I agree. I, I think it's cool. I think it's cool to see guys that we've never seen in matches before. Again, not to sound like the broken record though. It is a level of like how hot is somebody? And Suzuki's someone who uh, I checked he hasn't won a match in aw since june of last year uh and he's on a four match losing streak before tonight so it never really again it was one of those things where i'm just like he, he's not beating adam copeland tonight uh and it, it feels like it's taken a, it, it's a bit like to use a, another big comparison because i know suzuki is a big star it's almost like in wwe to show i'm not biased now when John Cena comes back and he loses, like, yeah, he hasn't won a match in years. It's not that big of a deal anymore. I was kind of bummed that I felt that way about this match when I should feel like this is an absolute dream match no one ever thought would happen. No, I, I get that. And again, it, it it's that AEW concept where they cater to that specific audience, that hardcore audience that knows who... Suzuki is and they are and when Adam Copeland it makes a big deal out of wanting to wrestle him at least people go oh wow that should be a great matchup seeing Adam Copeland and, and, and someone like Suzuki and see if Copeland can can survive let's mm -hmm. put it that way the, the toughness because Suzuki is one tough SOB but at the mm -hmm. same time we didn't have enough time to to build to this match where you know, it was kind of like thrown out there. I get it. The 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 Cope Open is that what he calls it? Cope Open, yeah, yeah. The I get the concept of that. He was willing to take on anybody, anytime, anywhere. But at the same time, you need reasons for these matches, and and for him to fight Suzuki, there was no reason given other than the fact that hey, we're going to get two guys that are going to put it all out there, and they did, because that was one. Uh, hard-hitting match when they said you know commentary called it a slugfest they weren't doing it justice when they were calling it a slugfest let's put it that way yeah matt i feel like we talk about presentation wrestling a lot and how important it is uh i get that this is a dream match um and some people say you should advertise it but i also feel like if this was adam copeland opening the show saying i'm gonna do an open challenge who's out there and then suzuki comes out and it's like the opening match and it's a great match I feel like I feel differently about it as opposed to for two hours being told this is our main event. This is the big match. You know what I mean? I feel like that is a to two totally different worlds. Well, there's a tipping point in that, right? Like if you feel like Tony Khan obviously did that there was more uh, reason to announce ahead of time than have a surprise because he felt like Suzuki, you know, but 
you know, and God bless Tony Khan for this. You know, he puts on wrestling he wants to see. And so for him, he's psyched about seeing Suzuki. I mean, oh my God, I like Suzuki. I do too. I, mm-hmm. I love him. Yeah. And, but, but, you know, there's a reason he's over the way he is in Japan. It's a lot like when guys in NXT get over and then they come up to WWE and they don't tell you why they're over. They just come up and they go, here's American Alpha. They're awesome. And we're like, huh? Right. It's the same thing. Right. What if they did little vignettes once in a while like they did with Muda? You know what I'm saying? What if they did something where it's like, you know, uh, in Japan, the most feared man, like a one minute little mini thing randomly in October about Suzuki, something like that once in a while. So that when he does appear, oh, that's that guy. That's that guy. Not, Mm -hmm. not let me, let me Wikipedia this guy. Now I love Suzuki. I took a picture of my son with Suzuki. Like he's, he's great. But if he did the things in AEW that got him to the point he is in Japan, and we would be more excited to see him. But instead, we're just assumed to know. And um, as Jimmy said, catering, pandering, whatever you want to say to the audience that already knows him, there's no downside to introducing him in a in a, in a bigger way. I, I like the way you phrase that because it's true. Mm-hmm. And again, I don't want to sound disrespectful of a guy. I'm just saying this is how – similar to – again, I talked about Lucha Underground. Pent- Pentagon was like an absolute monster there. He was unbeatable. But that doesn't mean he's the same Pentagon here in AEW. And that's the same thing, like you said, with NXT to the main roster or whatever. Like, um, And so you have to feel like they're a threat. And Suzuki, because he hasn't won a match in like you know seven or eight months, it's hard for me to feel like he's a threat. Um, and so, again, this being built up like that. And I, I think video packages are great, too. I don't know. Um, Mm-hmm. I think as as, a, as the pure side, he's like, this is cool. I can't believe we're seeing this. Never would have thought it would happen. But for a main event that was built up the whole the whole episode, I feel like, eh. Right. Because they've done know. the, they've already done the look at Suzuki thing like four times, five times. They've already done that. Right. Like, oh my God, it's Suzuki. What a crazy matchup. Like, cool. You know, we, we've done that. And that's, it's got uh, diminishing returns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, this was an episode for me that I felt like had a lot of ups and a lot of downs, uh, personally, uh, everyone in the chat, let me know your overall thoughts of the show. Uh, let me know, uh, maybe favorite moment, worst moment here in the chat. And if you're watching online or, uh, uh on Apple podcasts, leave a review that says what your, your high point and low point of the show were, uh, Jimmy overall, your thoughts on the show and where can the world find you online? Uh, overall, uh, again, it was a, a lot of hit and miss in the show. There was some entertaining stuff uh, and some stuff that could have used a little tightening of the screws, as I like to say, in my ref and rants. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Which which I do on all my social media platforms from Monday to Friday. It's, again, constructive criticism, not to tear down, but to uh, tighten some screws that I, that I believe need to be tightened, in my opinion. And also, you can catch me here on Monday nights and Wednesday nights doing... Uh, the post wrong, the post dynamite uh, review, so to speak. And you can catch the Refn It Up podcast with my good brother in stripes, uh, Brian Hemner, and I and RJ, who holds the glue together. Where this week we talk to none other than uh, Doug Basham. Ooh. One half of the world famous Basham brothers. I, yes. I used to dig his entrance music uh, when, when it was on. Now, entrance music has gotten so much like cooler. I listened to it the other day, actually, and I was like, it's kind of basic, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but I remember when they were the Basham brothers, I thought this is kind of cool music. Yeah. I, I, yeah, Jim, I think Jim Johnston did it during his lunch hour. 
Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and and next week actually we have Chavo Guerrero. Oh, that'll be really fun. Did you see? Uh, are you going to talk about Iron Claw? Yeah, uh, we might we might bring it up. it's a a good one uh matt where can the world find you online and uh, just any final thoughts on the show Uh, final thoughts on the show uninspired you know um running in place a little bit uh i think someone in the chat put it at four out of ten i'd probably say the same of course you can find me pretty much on twitter at matt coon music i have new music i made i I did three songs in a, a mainly just to show my students i could still do it so um check that out if you had a chance but follow me don't get offended I, uh, I'm bored a lot when I say stupid things. <laughs> uh, well, I thought the show, like I said, I, it had some high points and it had some low points for me, uh, which happens in pro wrestling. But I dug, I really dug Samoa Joe opening the show and I d- dug the uh, Tony Storm segment a lot. The other stuff, there were just some things where I was like, I, it, maybe it wasn't for me. I don't know. Uh, but that said, you can follow me at Real Jack Farmer across all social media. I cover the Raw after show here on Wrestling Inc. every week. Now I'm going to be here covering Dynamite every week. So that'll be a treat for all of you. I don't know. Is this their usual team? I don't know what the deal is here. Uh, but um, it's my first. It's my it's first. Usually, uh, who's, who's, who's usually Issa? Oh, Issa. Oh, I think she's she's going to Rumble. Uh, so that's probably what she's doing right now. It's very easy uh, to get us confused. Like really easy to get us confused. I was gonna mm-hmm. say I I keep almost saying Issa when I throw it to you. Uh, but uh, yeah, make it's sure my to exoticness. <laughs> <laughs> follow at Wrestling for all your wrestling news, and make sure to tune in on Friday for our after SmackDown show. I'm guest hosted on there because the static media overlords are working me to the bone. But uh, I'll see you guys uh, on Friday. But again, make sure everyone do follow at Wrestling Inc. That does it for the show. I'm hitting the